Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna Demedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. I'm here with Jess Hirsch, who is no stranger to So Sorry for Your Loss. You were on one of our episodes before, which, by the way, I want to break it to you, is my most popular episode. Oh my God, Yeah, It was a great one. And I wanted to bring you back on because we're going to talk about what this last year in the pandemic has been like for both of us with our grief and also some pop culture and entertainment. And there is no one better to talk about those things with than you, Miss Jessica Hirsch. So thank you again for being here. Stop it. Thank you for having me. You only have my favorite things to talk about, which are pop culture and myself. So (laughs) couldn't be happier to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited that that episode was well-liked. I love it. I actually listened to it on the anniversary of my mom's passing because I felt like I wanted to hear about her a little bit. Oh my gosh. I talked about, so I'm one of those many proud listeners. Oh, I love that. I love that. What What a nice thing to be able to do that day. That was very special and a gift you gave to me. So thank you. Oh, oh my God. Are we having such an emotional moment already? And we're like two minutes in. (laughs) Where's my tissues? (laughs) All right. So we're here today to talk about grief and the pandemic and how that went for both of us, because I think it was a very unique situation. Obviously, the whole unique part of, oh, yeah, this hasn't happened in 100 years, but also it put grief on the main stage. So tell me a little bit about your situation with the pandemic and how did it feel in terms of your loss of your mom? Yeah, I think that, like you said, grief was on the main stage in a lot of different ways. And I think in addition to the grief of like, our lives is free to run around human beings, maskless that could stand, you know, within three feet of each other. And then also there was, on a totally different note, like a public grief and understanding during the conversations of inequality in America. Like that was a huge grief conversation too. I think on a totally different scale. But my personal grief was challenging. I think everybody who's gone through significant loss noticed that. There were some times when I felt more alone than I ever had because I live entirely by myself besides my cat who's, you know, he's great company, but doesn't say much in return. (laughs) But everybody was experiencing the sense of grief of their normal lives. But in addition to that, I really felt like I was grieving having the support system that I wanted. And I also had my mom been alive during this time since she had multiple myeloma, her, um, she would have been immunocompromised. And I probably not only wouldn't have been able to see her, but spontaneously, The thought of her going to appointments alone and things that I would have done for her, that broke my heart. So by no means are we fortunate that we've been through what we've been through, but it was almost like, wow, if this had been happening at a different time, I would have had a totally different relationship with. 100%. I felt that a lot in terms of my grandmother who was in a nursing home when she passed away because you were hearing about nursing homes every single minute on the news and how this virus was just ripping through it. And it made me feel like, 
wow, I feel guilty for saying this, but in sen- some sense, I'm kind of thankful she's gone. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. You, and, and, and that re- relates to, you know, people being in the hospital, like you were saying, it's, it was this kind of overarching feel of the only people that are safe right now are the people that are not here and the people that we've lost. And I don't know how yeah. you felt, but it for me, it almost was like, am I like, thankful for my loss for this second it was this weird like and then you feel guilty for thinking that but it it was just a a very weird thought process going on in your head about that definitely and unfortunately my paternal grandmother passed away in October during all of this she Mm. was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer but she was 100% at home and she kind of made the executive decision that as long as you know her grandchildren and whatnot and her kids were being safe, we could all consider ourselves in a bubble. Upon her passing, I had a similar grief and almost gratitude feeling, which then goes into guilt, where not only was I- The three Gs. It's just like grief, gratitude, guilt. Yeah, I I know. I I can't think of another G that goes with it. I'm sure we'll come up with one. (laughs) But, you know, I was grieving her loss. We got to have, as my therapist says, a complete life cycle, which then you, as sad as it is that this person passed, you're- grateful that you got to have the time you spent with them. And I was also grateful she wasn't in a hospital setting. So another thing I want to touch on are holidays. And for me, I can start by saying I felt that the holiday season is always one of the worst. And aside from the grief anniversary, you know, as we want to call it, the anniversary of the death, the holiday season is, is bad. And there's always this emphasis on how different things are now that your person isn't here, you know, like having that Christmas dinner and my dad not sitting at the table or being at Hanukkah with your family and realizing your mom isn't there as you guys open gifts, whatever it may be for a person. But this year it was just so different. Yeah. In every shape and form of a holiday that I kind of loved it because I felt the emphasis wasn't just on one person not being there. Maybe it was a lot of people not being there because you couldn't gather in large groups. So tell me a little bit about your experience with the holidays this year. I totally agree. First of all, I now fully respect that sweatpants are acceptable attire for every holiday. Like I'm not going back. There's no more dressing up. We're keeping a cash. Like I was opposite. I had been in sweatpants for nine months at that point. And I was like, you know what? I am wearing a damn dress to Christmas dinner. Good for you. That's (laughs) See, that's admirable. I think I did something like that like twice. I don't know. But, you know, Thanksgiving, that's usually a holiday I love. But that's a day anyway that you're like, God, I wish I wore something. That's more a stretchy pant holiday. Yeah. Yeah. And this year was really like, I'm not even talking a legging. I'm talking, we don't have time for the compression of a legging. <laughs> anyway, I totally agree in the sense of there was something kind of nice about not having, again, like we said, like the guilt and the grief of, holidays and I think that other people usually try to make them a little bit special for you or like always make sure that you're included and that's amazing and you can be so grateful but simultaneously just feel like this is not how it was and it feels like it's not how it should be exactly so this year that was all out the window and parts of it were nice and parts of it were still really sad because you're thinking think this is how things could be and should or this is the alternative was how things could have been. At least everybody is in our same boat of mm-hmm. things not being 
normal right and that takes it back to what we were talking in the beginning of like all of a sudden grief is now sharing this main stage where we aren't necessarily the outcast or feeling alone it's like hundreds of millions of people are understanding what it feels like to not be with a family member for the holiday and you know it may not be because they passed away but I mean for a lot of people unfortunately 500,000 people died I mean a lot of people did feel that but even if it was just they couldn't be in the same city that year or have you know dinner at the same house or something I, I I guess it was just this this feeling of others experiencing what what we have for years now. Did you feel like you had to kind of teach people how to grieve or like how to handle their grief, you know, and kind of like give tips and tricks? I think I I wouldn't say I have any main examples that that come to mind, but maybe just in terms of people just being like, oh, I just feel so like exhausted all the time. And I'd have to be like, yeah, because you're using up a lot of energy in emotions. So I think maybe that was the main message I tried to convey to a lot of people because yeah. I guess a lot of people hadn't been confronted with that before. Whereas like we know how much of a, an energy suck just being depressed or lethargic or, right. you know, feeling like you're hearing so much bad news all the time. Definitely. And I feel like I had a lot of conversations with people and them saying, I miss my old life. Like I would love to be back to my old life. Meanwhile, we, the people who have lost somebody, are thinking, yeah, me too, but yeah, I'm not talking yeah. about my COVID life. I'm talking about the life of, for me, 2016, I miss that life too, because I'm an entirely different person then. So it's interesting that, like you said, grief is really on the main stage as a conversation, but I don't want to say like, I'm more experienced in my grief than somebody else's, but it's, it's almost as if we are able to express, yeah, this is something that I've known how to feel for a long time and I sympathize with you and unfortunately like this is just a little glimpse into what grieving a person looks like in addition to having to grieve it your whole life yeah the way I felt with that was almost like oh I've already been through the boot camp training for this yes and I know how to handle my emotions a little bit better I know kind of what to expect that it's going to feel really shitty some days and some days are going to feel fine. You know, like just those things that you go through in the first couple of months, couple of years of grief and now using it for like a very different thing, but something that's still really sad and really powerful in your life and being able to apply all those skills, as you would say, that you learn right. to it. I totally agree. And I think that I guess the days when I was feeling down, I think there was just a little bit extra on the down, because I I think sometimes grief is a um, has muscle memory. So when you're really leaning into it, when you're sad about one thing, it can spiral into a lot of things. So I'd oh, say that a hundred percent, yeah, exactly. So the days that I was sad, I was devastated. But for the most part, I would say that, like you said, it's a little bit easier to get through the day to day because you already know how to fake it and go through the motions. And sometimes just faking it and going through the motions teaches you how to you know, live a normal life. So yeah, there was like this resiliency that you that you had or that you had to kind of yeah, pull up to the surface. And I think that in itself made me feel proud of myself in this weird way. And I guess, you know, I try to always look at it as like, here are some of the positives that came out of what happened, because it's really hard to I mean, when you think about that at face value, it's really hard to think of any positive. But 
that was one of them. Like, okay, like I've been through this really difficult situation and it's helping me get through this other really difficult situation. Totally. And I think that that's also something that on the broader sphere, people in general are learning about themselves too. I've had a lot of conversations Mm -hmm. with friends about what they've learned about themselves through the pandemic, but really that's a conversation of what you've learned about yourself through grief and you can keep learning about yourself. So there's things I learned about and prioritized, you know, right after my mom passed away, like the importance of travel was something that she never got to do. And that was something that I then started to fully stress. This time in grief, what I've learned about myself is I made like a major life decision and a life move and I'm moving to a new city. And I know. So Jess is from Philly and moving to New York, which is like amazing because I said to her, she's way too cool to be in Philly and deserves to be in New York. So this totally fits, but sad. Too nice of you because I'm the least cool person I know. (laughs) But, um, But I think that like having this time to be with yourself and your thoughts you realize the things that you value and the things that you miss. I learned about that through grief and really honed this skill set of being strong and independent and getting through tough days. There were also things now that I learned that I'm continuing to apply. So it's a silver lining. Yeah, I agree. Any final thoughts on grief during the pandemic? Hmm. You did touch on this and I did not um, acknowledge it as much as I should, but it's, you were totally right to point out that there's this weird safety and feeling like the people that you love aren't here to experience this. Mm -hmm. And it's a really bittersweet feeling. And that's something that I do think is worth noting. And bittersweet is a really good way to explain that. Yeah. It, it hurts because you just wish they were here all the time but also you know that life would be really challenging for them right now. And also just it's challenging for all of us. And there are certain times that, God, I wish my mom was here more than anything. I'd say I wish that 100% of the time, but there were certainly moments where I'm thinking, you didn't have to go through this and you're safe. And I can rest easy knowing that, not rest easy, but the person that I was so scared of losing, it's already happened. The worst has already happened. So they don't have to- Right. live through this and we don't ha- it's another person that we don't have to be worried about as far as keeping them safe and making sure that they aren't being you know risky or anything like that yeah from what I remember about your mom I mean she was a bit of a mover and a shaker and a doer yeah. and liked to be out and doing things and my dad was the same way and I said you know Gary Demedio was not built for a quarantine, you know, I, and I just would think of all the fights we would have of, Oh dad, you got to stay in dad. You're not supposed to go golfing dad. You can't eat indoors. And he'd be like, well, well, you know, whatever. I just want to live my life. So I'm like, all right, this is actually kind of nice that I know where you are. You're safe. And I, we saved ourselves a lot of stress because I know it would be difficult for him. Like it was for a lot of people to kind of just shut your life down all of a sudden. Definitely. I think, I think that due to the nature of my mom's um, diagnosis, she would have been particularly careful, but I wouldn't have been able to stop her from going on a walk. She loved yeah. her walks. And I'd say, no, it doesn't matter that it's just around the block. You don't know what you'll encounter. You know, back then we didn't know what surface life was. Right, we right. Which do we even now know what surface uh, life is? Who knows? I, I feel like know. there's new information every week. 
I had COVID and I still don't. Yeah. So tell us about that. I I wanted to bring that up. I totally forgot until you just said that, but it was pretty traumatic for you. It was a wild ride um, to say the least. I went from, I would say that I'm somebody that took the pandemic quite seriously. And I mean, I guess that that's all a relative scale, but it happened to be at a time where I safely saw a few people. So anyway, it turned out that I was really sick and it was something I was unaware of. And I'm very grateful to have physicians in my family who let me know that I needed to go to the hospital. And we were kind of saying this before that like the hospital is a big, scary place as far as COVID because you can't have people there with you. That actually wasn't something that scared me not having people, but I was scared of like a false narrative that had been a little pervase that like only really, really sick people are going to the hospital. If you don't have to, don't go to the hospital. So I definitely had some fear. And this is, um, this is actually a really vulnerable and serious thing. I was on the phone with my uncle, my mom's brother. And I said to him, if I go to the hospital, am I going to die? And, and he said, no. And he said it so shortly. So steadfast and I said okay if he said this to if he could say this to me with such ease and such confidence I know it's the right thing to do that is terrifying that you even had to think that it's okay and I mean it just shows also the degree to which like first responders and healthcare workers have put their life in their hands about your time in the hospital was that bringing up memories for you of what you went through with your mom yeah, so I ended up having to call 911 on myself, which I've never done before, but I had called it for my mom, I want to say two or three times. So mm-hmm. I was familiar with that process. And here in Philly, we have a few big hospital systems, but one of them is Penn Medicine and another one is Jefferson. And I said to the EMTs, I said, I can't go to Penn. And they said, okay. Oh, yeah. We actually aren't going to Penn. And I said, okay, but I can't go. And they were like, great. We just told you we're not going there. We're going to Jefferson. Yeah. I was so scared of reliving like the PTSD of going through the emergency room with right, my mom. Because that's where your mom had her treatments and exactly. the emergency and room that, there. Yeah. That's where she ultimately passed away. So I think that if I had been there, I would have had really intense feelings of that. I think that's so interesting. And I want to stop you for a second to like yeah. really hit on how profound that those memories and that like PTSD is that you're in a situation where you can't breathe and you need to go to the hospital and like with what little breath you have, you're making sure you tell the EMTs, please, for the love of God, do not take me to that place. Exactly. And when you say can't breathe, it's quite literal. My oxygen was at a really low level. It's supposed to be in the nineties. I was in the, when I was at the emergency room, it was a 77, which is really low. And I also had an 103 fever and I was, I was really, really sick. And I am very fortunate that one, I got amazing care throughout my healthcare experience and my hospital stay experience. But two, that I have two um, uncles who are doctors who said, you're getting your butt to the hospital right now. And, and you were there have, for a few days. Yeah, I was there for about a week. I was in the ICU for three nights. The thing that really, when I left, that like shook me to my core that I didn't think about when I was leaving the ICU, because, you know, I got to go to the regular floor, which is an amazing sign. It shows that you're doing better. Mm -hmm. They were like, we are just so happy to, when somebody gets to leave, 
And I'm thinking, oh my God, during COVID, they must get to see people leave in a very different way, not oh, wow. this quote unquote yeah. graduation into the regular, you know, right. regular hospital. But it showed me how severe the state like I was in, but also how severe the world is. So long story short, there were definitely times where I felt like glimmers of PTSD and the scaredness and sadness and grief, but also one, I was out of it. And two, I was just so happy to be getting better and feel supported not only by my own support system, but the care I received. I can't say enough good things about it. Like good. It it was and you just, look great. I mean, I would never know if you didn't tell me that you were in the ICU for a week. You know, I, I wouldn't think anything right. was up. So you, do you feel good? You feel okay? Yeah. I mean, I do feel totally normal, except that I have a really hard time with stairs. Okay. So I can't work out like I normally would. I still am a little bit precious about things like that. And I can't walk at the pace I normally would, but like, I'm a big walker. I like to you know, jet to and fro. I try to walk a lot. Yesterday, I happened to be in New York for the day and I did like 20,000 steps. And so that's like about 10 miles of walking and I'm what, a month and a half out. And that's amazing. Good. But, you know, my lungs are going to take a little while to recover and I need to remember that and treat them with love and care. Good. Real quick, I want to mention Rent the Runway. As we recap the pandemic today, we're pretty hopeful that restrictions are starting to loosen now and infection rates are dropping. So it's time to stock up that closet with some great looks for this summer. Aside from the 700 designers to choose from, Rent the Runway also gives free shipping and dry cleaning, which is a huge savings both financially and in time. There's exclusive discounts and you can pause or cancel at any time. They have several different plans to fit your needs. And right now, for you, my very valued listener, they're offering 40% off the first two months of your eight or 16 item plan. I have the eight item plan and I think it's perfect. I feel like I get a great variety every month. So use code RTRGiana, that's R-T-R-G-I-A-N-N-A for 40% off your first two months of the eight or 16 item plan. Happy shopping and tag me in your new looks. So I want to transition into talking about grief in pop culture a little bit because this is something I've been wanting to do on this podcast. And then I thought, who better to talk about pop culture and reality TV than with Miss Jessica Hirsch? Because you are just... my freaking arm. I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things that I remember about you was you and I reconnected at the dinner party, which is a fantastic grief organization. And... I just remember being at one of the groups and you being like, okay, I know we're here to talk about really serious stuff, but did anybody watch The Housewives last night? Because I am shook. That a hundred percent tracks. I am so sorry from like, you know, taking away from the heart of the issue and just no, being like, I loved it. Fiber, guys. <laughs> yeah. I loved it because I felt like, you know, every, it is really serious what we go there and talk about. And sometimes it's just nice to lighten up the mood. And you're such yeah. a wonderful person to do that. And you like instantly made everybody put that wall down of feeling like so tight with stress. So that's when I knew that you were a big fan of Bravo, all things Bravo. Oh, yeah. And we've talked about many a reality TV since. So one of the things I want to talk about is the show Summer House. And so are you watching this season? Am I watching this season? I feel like I live in the Hamptons. Like 
I'm used to going to Southampton Social and Julon with the crew and drinking our lover boy. So yes, to long story short, yeah. I watch Summer House. So you're Do basically a cast member. Yeah. Okay. So this season, which I think has been great so far, I think it's really interesting how they've had to handle it with keeping everybody there during the week. But I, I kind of like that peel behind the curtain to see how they handle their jobs and everything like that. But we also saw uh, almost like the moment that Carl got the call about his brother, Curtis, who passed away from an overdose. And it was obviously really heartbreaking. But I'm really happy that they gave it, I would say, a considerable amount of time on the show. I would, I think that for a lot of other people, when you hear about a death or something that happens in their life, it's kind of just like an aside and they try to move past it. And I'm sure that's production's way of trying to say, you know, we're not turning this into a soap opera. This is supposed to be a, a fun show, but it's real life. And if this is what we're doing and we're covering these these people that live there for 24 hours a day and we're covering everything right. that happens, that was a huge a huge part of it and I really liked seeing how the rest of the house reacted and the compassion that everybody gave one thing that did stick out to me and I'm interested to see a what you think about the whole thing and and how Bravo covered it but b how you thought about what Sierra's reaction was I think that she kind of if I remember correctly waited a while and then it was kind of like when they saw each other in the kitchen, she like gave him a big, a really big hug and was like, oh, I was just trying to give you your space. But, you know, I love you. I'm here for you. Whatever. I don't know how I if I liked yeah. that. I kind of I understand the I want to give you space thing because I've had people that didn't reach out and maybe reached out like a month later. And we're like, oh, I just wanted to give you your space. But hey, wanted to say sorry about what happened. Right. And to me, that's kind of like, well, I sat there for the last month thinking you didn't care. Right. So I think uh, so there's definitely a ton I want to unpack there. First of all, I think that it was so important for Bravo to cover an untimely loss in addition to just grief in general. Yeah. It is still tragic and unfortunate. Like we're used to seeing people's parents die, which is tragic, but we're usually talking about women in their fifties to possibly sixties, sometimes late forties. And while there's never a good time to lose somebody that is more, expected in a life cycle mm -hmm. so it relates a lot more one to the type of losses that we've had which are untimely because mm -hmm. we were both really young when we had our loss and then second um and a loss that was due to addiction because I think that that's something that is important to talk about yeah. as a topic nationally globally etc so I was really appreciative that one that wasn't shied away from and two that there was really a lot of grace given to Carl and his family. Mm -hmm. I was, I respected how Bravo treated it. I very yeah. much, I cried a ton, but in a good way, I give Carl so much credit for being willing to show that on camera. I'm yeah. sure that that was a conversation. I do too. I do too. And I was really shocked at the way that he was explaining how his dad was going through it. Now, we don't know too much about Carl's dad. We've obviously met his mom before. And what we've kind of known about the family setup is like maybe that his dad had an affair or did something to provoke right. a divorce that was very uh, difficult for, for Carl to process. So... I, as a viewer, always kind of viewed Carl's dad as this like 
tough as nails, badass, very strong-willed type of person. Yeah. So when he kept saying, my mom's doing okay, my dad's not handling it well. Yeah. I actually really appreciated that he opened up and said that because I think for men in general in society, there is this expectation that you have to handle everything, whether it's the worst thing that ever happens in your life or, you know, something at the grocery store. Like you can't show emotion. You have to be fine. And the fact that he kept saying, my dad is not okay. My dad's not handling it well. I I really appreciated that to be out there in the public. I totally agree. I feel like Carl's dad is somebody that we don't know. He's almost just like this figure Mm -hmm. that we know bits and pieces about. And in addition to that, I would say that he is somebody that we probably saw as, I don't know if tough is the right word, but there was just something not as soft to him. There wasn't, it didn't seem that we knew anything about vulnerability when it came to him. So Carl being open about that is great. And also Carl being okay with being filmed, you know, he went on that walk by himself and was listening to music. And And then came back and said, I just cried. I cried. I cried. And I'm like, yes, boy. Yes. I loved it. Like, I think that Carl has done so much growth, not only on his own, he clearly has gone to therapy, but also through this loss, I think he's just evolving into absolutely a different human being. And that happens to a lot of people through loss. And I was so glad that we are able to see it. And I can imagine I, there's obviously so much of my life that I feel is unfinished with my mom in it, but it's different when somebody's so young, you know, he talked about wanting to have vacations with his brother and their kids because Mm -hmm. his brother's daughter lives with their mom, I think Carl's mom. So I know that he had kind of started planning this whole life that they were going to have together as adult siblings. So yeah, I imagine that that was something really hard, but again, is something I'm really proud of him for speaking about. Also, on a totally other note with Sierra, I think because she is a nurse by training or an ICU nurse, I think that she was processing her own emotions of death and grief. And then. Okay. Fair, fair. But yeah. And I'm not being judgmental about it. I just said it was something that I, that I noticed based on my experience, but you bring up a really excellent point and that's fair. But I can totally, I hope that maybe she, because I know the whole cast was together sitting on those stairs at the beginning and she wasn't. I think that she intentionally took herself a step back. I hope maybe she shot him a text or something mm-hmm. and was just like, I just heard I'm so here from you. I'll see you like ASAP type of thing. And yeah. I can imagine her doing that and us yeah. not seeing it on camera. I also thought it was great to see how everybody else in the house was handling it too, because we know how our close friends have not only processed our losses, like as their friend, but the loss of our person and their relationships with that person. So like seeing Kyle really emotional was really nice too. Yeah. I think it shows. Yeah. A lot of male tears on the show this year. I like it. I am so here for it. I think it's beautiful. Like let it out. Yeah. Like Justin Timberlake said, cry me a river, but like in a good way. In a good way. In a non using Britney Spears to get your own fame type of way. Oh, free Britney. I, I'm, <laughs> I could, don't get me started. Don't. <laughs> So with this, we actually learn a little bit more about Danielle, who's part yeah. of the cast as well. She reveals that she she lost her dad. I don't know that we've heard that in any other seasons before. Now, I will say maybe she said it in a season prior to me losing my own father, and I wouldn't have thought anything of it. But now it, it certainly strikes a chord with me. So I think it's one of those things my husband always says, 
when you're able to be vulnerable with people, you allow them to be vulnerable with you. And I think it was that situation of this was happening with Carl. Carl was being really vulnerable and it allowed Danielle to maybe bring down that wall a little bit and and open up about her story. So there really is so much positive to being yeah. vulnerable. Definitely. I agree. I can't remember Danielle speaking about her loss and like that is such a shame and I'm so sorry and it sounds like it happened a while ago so I think that it's it's great that Carl has Danielle I believe she said that it was also due to a form of addiction her father's passing so I'm so glad that Carl has her not only as a friend to talk about loss with but that specific type of loss not only does Carl have this unique experience of going through summer house with Danielle also they've dated yeah which is fun but he now can he has somebody in the house who gets it, not only just about loss, but loss through addiction. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be a huge relief. And I really don't think that it's something that she's discussed before. And I think that she is showing a lot more vulnerability than ever this season. Yeah. In a totally different ungrief related thing. I thought that the conversation that she and Sierra had on the beach about being women of color and having to have their hair look a certain way and their bodies look a certain way. Yes. Was fascinating and a super important conversation to have so props to both of them for their vulnerability totally not related to grief but like very impressive stuff yeah I think it's I think we're starting to see the maturity of the cast a little bit and to to be able to be open and talk about these things and not just you know who beer bonged the most beers at yesterday's pool party right exactly (laughs) and I guess maybe that's just part of us growing older too I mean we're that's true the cast and we understand loss more I thought that everybody had a really mature response to Carl's brother's passing yeah I'm just really happy to see it on a national television show like this I think it's something that I find to be very helpful to it you know grief is something that makes you feel really alone and when you see these people that you watch every day you know you feel like they're your friends that they go through it. I mean, listen, you never want to see someone go through that pain, but it just helps to to make you not feel like you're a complete loner in it. It's not a disease. It's not that you need no. to admit it and say, oh, I'm so-and-so and I lost my whoever. But it's it's great to show that life can go on after loss, I think is, is the point I'm trying to get at. To kind of uh, segue to my next topic, the first time I really remember thinking that was with The Bachelorette when Becca Kufrin really put it on display about her losing her dad, I think, when she was 17. And she talked about it a lot. She used it in the, the last date that she had with Ari, who was The Bachelor, that the season that she was on, and saying how I think my dad would really love you. And I think that the way the stars aligned for this whole situation. For me, it was a something of like, wow, this girl lost her dad, but then, you know, she looks like she's got it all together. She's so funny. She's beautiful. Life can go on. And I think it's really important to convey that message to to the public and to do it in these types of shows that are fun and funny and entertaining and to, to make space for it in those types of shows. For sure. I am not as much of a bachelor, bachelorette person, but I certainly follow. Which and is shocking I know- to me because I feel like you should be. I, I, you know, I go in and out on seasons like earlier. I was very in I mean, it. they've and been it all- trash for the last couple of seasons, so you're not missing much. I mean, like the rest of the world, I find Matt James to be very attractive and captivating, but maybe not. Do you? I am not a stan. I am not a Matt James fan at all. 
I'm here for it. But I do remember that with Becca. And I remember being impressed with her ability to note that this was both, again, bittersweet that she would wish that her dad was here, but also something that it's like, you know what, you can grow and you will still be a complete person and a good person, a whole person and somebody who accomplishes things after going yeah. through something traumatic and tragic. It's not that it doesn't change you or shape you or make you not have the person, you know, it doesn't change the fact that the person that you're missing isn't there, but it still highlights the impact they had on your life while you continue to live it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put that. I think it's such an important message. And so, like I was saying, my segue to The Bachelorette is that the new Bachelorettes, Bachelorettes, plural, was announced. They announced the next two seasons of The Bachelorette. And one of them is Katie Thurston, who in this season with Matt James revealed that she also lost her father. And of course, I'm watching that. And and this is a few weeks ago. And I knew that I was going to start relaunching this podcast. And I said to myself, oh, my gosh, I should DM her and have her on this podcast. And now she's the damn bachelorette. So now there's no chance that she's going to want to come on this little podcast. But Katie, if you're out there. No chance. Don't you say no chance. (laughs) If you're out there, Katie, we'd love to have you on. Or if anybody knows Katie and wants to throw it her way. Um, but there's really not a lot known out there about what happened to her dad because, of course, I did Google it to see. Um, but I, I wonder if it's going to be something that she'll open up about on the season. And if not, totally fine. Everybody has, you know, their own right to if they want to keep it private, if they want to talk about right. it. But just another opportunity for it to be out in the public there. And then the last thing I want to talk about in pop culture this week is the Grammys and Megan the Stallion. Are you a Megan the Stallion fan? Am I a Megan the Stallion fan? Like, I'm sorry. I wish I could be you a savage. Yeah. I wish I could like, you know, Megan the Stallion, the queen of real hot girl shit, as she likes to say, she does that thing like, "Ah, I can't, (laughs) I wish I could do it. It's a sticking your tongue out, shout reaction. She is incredible and I have a feeling I know what you're going to say or talk about because her connection to her mom and her mom's passing yes. and both of her parents are passed I'm not passing. really and she's don't young isn't she I don't know her exact age but I she's young she's 27 yeah okay I, I might be wrong I also know that she's an Aquarius I will throw that fun oh, fact out okay there. Of course. Do you know what she had for breakfast today? No, but I sure wish I did. Probably (laughs) something really cool. So she talked about her mom on the red carpet. And her mom, Holly Thomas, died in March of 2019. And she started saying to, I think it was Juliana Rancic who was interviewing her. Mm -hmm. She said, my mom would always say that we're going to be at the Grammys. Like I would perform at clubs and bars. Anywhere I could perform, I was there. And she would be like, one day we're going to be front row. And I would always say, that's so far away, but it came so quickly, and I'm just so happy. And I think knowing that background of that it's something her and her mom would always talk about, and that her mom believed in her a little bit more than she did, and now it all came to fruition and she was here, was a really heartening moment. So that when she did end up winning the award... She said, I want to thank my mom. She's not here with me today, but I know she's here with me in spirit. And she always believed I could do it. And it was just a really, really beautiful moment. It was so beautiful. I couldn't agree more. I also think that, you know, it's nice to see. I don't know if this is particularly like a rap hip hop thing, but I think that breaking down the barrier of like talking about 
Bentleys, Bugattis, that type of thing. And just like show showing opulence, which I am so here for, like <laughs> give me all of the Gucci Fendi talk. I'm here for it <laughs> and signed up. But I think it's nice when you get to see a little bit of a difference from that persona and see somebody who normally is out there in a different sense, talking about something really vulnerable. And I think that's important. And my heart was truly warmed when she talked about her mom. I know that if I had a lick of singing talent, my mom would have said the same thing to me about the Grammys. I know that <laughs> I don't know if you have singing talent. I feel like you might be a low-key great singer. Me? Yeah. It's funny that you say that. I used to have a really good voice, but it was because I would always, I was driving everywhere when I was younger. And yeah. now I don't drive because I'm a city girl and I've completely lost it because I don't have that time in the car to just like belt things out. Well, I say you belt out on a walk. Nobody will not. <laughs> so... I think that it was probably a really beautiful moment for her and one that she was so appreciative of. But I'm sure, you know, in the back of her mind, it's it's paired with a deep heartbreak, which I think that all of us now know that like our happiest moments still have like a twinge of sadness. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, because even when she went up to accept the award, she took like a solid 20 seconds of silence before she could even open her mouth to say anything. And I kind of held my breath because I was like, oh my God, if she starts bawling and is talking about her mom, like I'm going to lose it. But oh, she she held it together like the queen that she is, man. Yeah, she, she is a queen icon legend. I am so fully invested in her. I love her. <laughs> Can't say enough good things. Anything else in pop culture that you've noticed in recent weeks? Not in recent weeks, but one, how we're talking about like the things that seem so profound to us. Those are all our peers that we are talking about how their loss is so significant yeah. and I and how important it is that it's on the main stage because, you know, some of these people are younger than us and yeah. they are either our, like our age when we experience loss or younger when it happened to them. So that's a great message to have out there that it doesn't have to be so isolating that yeah. there are so many people in the public that have this. And then the second is I totally agree with you in noticing loss more now that I've experienced it. Mm -hmm. And I was watching an old season of New Jersey and Teresa had just lost her mom and Margaret Joseph's planned this little activity for them at the beach in Boca where she got these floral like wreaths and everybody wrote a note to somebody they lost and they put them out to sea. Oh, and wow. I was like, you know, I'm going to pause and write a note to my mom and like, uh, like put it out to sea with them. I was, you know, here in Philadelphia isolated, so I didn't get to put it out to sea. It's currently just in a folder on my refrigerator. But like, I was really appreciative of getting to see this, a spotlight on grief and specifically in my case, like losing a mother where that was something that was what she was going through. But I think grief in general, I was able to see a new way to grieve, a different way to express, you know, condolences and grief. And also see the people that you know and have watched for a long time acknowledge feelings that you have too. That might also be what makes us feel closer to. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's these people that we see every week, but they, you know, have never met us and they don't know us, but to see that they're experiencing the same thing or to acknowledge what we're, this thing that we're going through kind of makes it seem like they see us. They right. get it. Jessica, thank you so much for being here with me again today. I think we had really great conversation, especially talking about the pandemic. And I'm, I'm glad to see that you're doing well after your scary bout in the hospital. 
Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me talk about my favorite things. And I want to reiterate that we are both here for you, regardless of what you're going through. If you want to talk pop culture or yes, for quarantine, I mean, Gianna's your girl. I'm your secondary girl. We've got <laughs> you. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jess. Mwah. Love ya. Mwah. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at So Sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave five stars and a review. Would appreciate it. More to come on this season of So Sorry for Your Loss. Stay tuned.